I want to continue with what we started looking at uh, two weeks ago. Pathway to greatness. We're looking at the, the steps that Joseph took to get to the top. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read from verse number 5. I'll try to finish this out today if I can. Verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. Everyone say he dreamed. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheave arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood around about, uh, about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, shall, shall thou indeed reign over us, or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream. Everyone say he dreamed yet another dream. As we can see right here, Joseph had one dream, told it to his brothers, and then he had a second dream. Just two dreams. Everyone say just two dreams. Good. Some of you have had more than two dreams. Yet Joseph is referred to as the dreamer. No, he had only two dreams. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Everyone say, his brethren envied him. Come on, say like you mean, his brethren envied him, his brothers envied him. Now, so his brothers were not happy to hear this. But notice the Bible tells us that his father kept this saying or the father kept this dream in his heart. And I told you why I believe the father kept it in his heart. Notice the father kept it in his heart. I see here that the father rebuked him in, in the presence of his brothers. But his father kept it in his heart. You know why the father kept it in his heart? Because his father was a dreamer. Jacob was a man of visions. He had visions too. So when his son told him about the dream. He could pick up in his heart that God was speaking to his son. Come on now say amen. amen. But his brothers were not happy. I'm giving you several things in the life of Joseph that brought him to the top. And I am certain that there are things that you can do to also bring you to the top. Now when I talk about the top, I'm talking about the top of what God has destined for you. How many of you believe that God has a divine destiny for your life? Wonderful. And how many of you believe that you are still 
working on it. You must never get to the place where you think you've arrived. God is still at work. God is still at work. I say God is still at work. The first thing that I showed you in the life of Joseph is this. Number one, he had a, a heavenly dream. Everyone say he had a heavenly dream. Joseph had a dream. His dream came from God. God has a dream for you. I say, God has a dream for you. Amen. The second thing I showed you is, after the dream came the pressure. That was the pressure. So Joseph had to go through pressure. Though God had spoken to him. How many of you believe that the dreams he had came from God? Both dreams came from God. Now you will think to yourself that the moment God speaks to you, everything will work. But I have discovered, even in my personal life, that it does not work like that. In actual fact, when God speaks to you, it will seem as if your life starts going the opposite direction. That's a fact. And until, until people understand this they will not come into the plan of God because when your life begins to go through pressure that is when people throwing the towel in other words they give up because they begin to think to themselves did God not speak why is my life like this yes God spoke but your life needs to go through that journey that you might come into the plan of God Listen, you may not even realize that what you're going through is divinely orchestrated by God. So that the best in you can come out. Can I say this to you? The dream comes from God. Therefore, the dream is perfect. But the carrier of the dream is imperfect. So the carrier of the dream must come to a place where his life lines up to God's purpose. That is the reason why God allows you to, to go through some stuff. Because the Bible tells us that this present pressure that you go through will produce an eternal weight of glory. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing is happening to you. But rejoice. Amen. Everyone say rejoice. rejoice. But rejoice. People go through stuff and they don't realize that the stuff you go through is designed by God to bring the best out of you. Amen. Oh my God. Amen. You see, that's when they begin to throw in the towel. That's when they begin to give up on the dream. They begin to give up on what God has told them that he will do in their lives. Don't you ever give up. Because what you're going through is preparing you for what you're coming into. Amen. Oh my God. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I said what you're going through is preparing you for what you're coming into. Amen. I said what you're going through is preparing you for what you're coming into. Amen. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. And then last week we looked at, we looked at uh, the leadership ability of Joseph. I told you that he had managerial ability. He had leadership ability. And uh, when I talked about that, I began to recommend that you develop yourself. 
It's one thing for God to give you a vision. It's another thing for you to do the work that's necessary to rise. Uh, 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 uh. See, the reason why a lot of people don't see God's purpose fulfilled is because they don't prepare themselves. The fact that God has spoken to you about what he wants to do with your life is no guarantee it will happen. In actual fact, you can get a prophecy given to you and that prophecy will still not happen. This is where man needs to do the work. There is something you must do. There's something you've got to do. Tell somebody there's something you've got to do. Listen, if you don't develop yourself, you will never accomplish the vision. Period. You can pray till the cows come home. You can pray. You can even have the top five preachers in the world lay hands upon you so that that vision that God told you would come to pass. Your hair will fall out and the vision will not be accomplished because God will not bring you into the fullness of it until you are ready to carry it. And there are things I do to prepare myself. Come on now, say amen. Amen. Reading books. Some of you, since you finished high school, you've never read another book. Some of you, since you finished university, you've never picked up a book to read. You thought to yourself, education ended when I came out of university. But that's not true. In actual fact, they tell those who go to university, you go to university to learn how to learn. You go to university to do what? To learn how to learn. No company, no industry, no businessman is looking for somebody that will not add value to their business. Come on now. Have you not realized that when you finish with university and you try to get a job, what do they ask you? Yes. What's your experience? No experience? No. Nothing. So, <laughs> so read books. Tell somebody read books. Develop yourself. Tell someone develop yourself. You've, listen, you've got to develop yourself. If you don't want to be average, you need to do what it takes to be the best. And to be the best requires that you invest into yourself. The Bible says, whatever a man soweth, that he shall also what? Oh yeah, sometimes we preach that and you think we're just talking about money. But you fail to realize that when you sow into yourself, you will get the harvest of the seeds that you've sown. Sow into your mind, my friends. Come on now, say amen. amen. In Third John verse 2, what does it say? Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. How? Even. I want to say even. Even as your soul prospers. So your prosperity depends on what? The soul. Your prosperity depends on the soul. The more you prosper in your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, the more you can prosper in life. Amen. I look at some people, they are so, sorry to say this, they are so, let me not say it. 
Some people just don't know anything. They don't know anything. You've got to know some things. Come on now, say amen. You've got to know, there are some books here. Discover his thoughts towards us. This is a book. I recommend you read this book. Discover his thoughts, a thought towards us. You need to read. And then there is this book, Success Mentality Pills. Success Mentality Pills. This one says, 10 amazing Muslims touched by God. The story of Pastor Corey is in this book too. Amen. Now, now these are, these you might call these religious books. But there are other books you can read. Come on now, say amen. amen. To enhance your ability to be better at what God has called you to do. Amen. amen. Who won these books? You pay. <laughs> you invest. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem. You see that? That's the problem. That everyone wants success, but they want it for free. That's the problem. You want to succeed, you must deliberately invest. Deliberately. Who want it? Uh, free. No, no, no. Because, listen, how many of you realize that when you give somebody something for free, sometimes they don't value it? That's the problem. That's why a lot of people don't succeed because it is all for free. All for free. No, when you invest into your life, you, listen, it's important. It's important that you, you, see, you see the need why you must invest into your life. Especially when you know God has called you to do something big, you've got to invest big. You've got to invest big. You cannot, you cannot be dumb. You can't. You want to buy this? You meet with him. There are many, many more books. But I want to begin to see people now invest into books. Invest into books. You invest, some of you are investing into the wrong stuff. Invest into books. Praise God. Let's continue. We looked at number four that God was with Joseph. Everyone said God was with Joseph. Now look at number five. We finished one to four. Let's look at number five. Joseph was kicked out of his comfort zone. Everyone said comfort zone. Your comfort zone is the last place of victory. Let me say that again. Your comfort zone is your last place of victory. Don't settle. Tell someone don't settle. A lot of people, they get to a certain place in life and they just say to, they think this is all that God has for me. But I've got news for you. The Bible says, I have not sinned, nor ear heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man what God has in store for them that love him. But these things have been revealed to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things in the heart of God. The Bible says, how great is the goodness that you have laid up or stored up for those that love you. There are so many things that God wants to do in your life. You may have accomplished a lot, but I've got news for you. All that you've accomplished is nothing compared to what God still wants to do. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. God wants to do much more in your life. Amen. The Bible says that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above. All that you can ask or think. 
according to the power that is at work in you. God has a lot in store. Don't settle. Do not think to yourself, I have arrived. Do not plateau. You don't want to settle. There is so much more that God wants to do in and through your life. Amen. Come on now, shout hallelujah. So Joseph was in the house of Potiphar. Think about this. He came as a slave. In actual fact, he was sold to the Ishmaelite traders. And then he got to Egypt and they bought him. And he, he was now in the house of Potiphar. And the Bible tells us that Potiphar handed everything over to Joseph except his wife. Come on now, say amen. amen. So think about this. A, a young man who was a slave and now suddenly is in the house of Potiphar. And he has control over everything in the house of this big, big man. Potiphar was not a mere man in Egypt. He was, a, he was a very influential man. And Joseph now in his house. And everything is handed into the hands of Joseph. But I've got news for you. This is not the end of God's plan for Joseph. Even though Joseph seemed to be enjoying now. Even though it seems as if all his problems are uh, are no more there. No, this is not the last stop. Amen. Tell somebody where I am today. It's not the last stop. This is not the final bus stop. There is so much more that God wants to do in your life. Come on now, shout hallelujah. So Joseph must probably have been thinking to himself, yeah, now, well, I'm no more where I used to be. I'm no more in the pit where my brothers put me. I'm no more in the hands of the Ishmaelite traders. Now I'm in the house of Potiphar. And he has given me custody of everything that he has. My life is great now. But God said, no, this is not all. I've got something else for you. And you know what happens sometimes? When you think that this is all that God wants to do in your life, God will intentionally kick you out of your comfort zone and kick you into the next place of his destiny for your life. Amen. That is why you must never settle. Don't ever get to the place where you think this is it. This is not it. Amen. There is so much more. Everyone say there is so much more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whew. So he's about to be kicked out. He's about to be kicked out. Everyone say he's about to be kicked out. Get ready to be kicked out from where you are. It's not over, my friend. It's not over. God is still working. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, I know the Bible says to be content. Yeah, the Bible says contentment with godliness with contentment is great gain. I understand that. But we, you've got to be, you get to the place where you say, okay, next. I want to say next. next. What is the next thing? There is something else that God wants to do in my life and I want to go there. I will not camp out. I will not camp out. The potential for this church to Growing this nation is, is right there and we can see it and it will grow. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. It will grow. It is time to move to the next place. Come on, say amen. amen. The potential for that business to move to the next city is there. And it's time for that business to move. Amen. Come on now, say praise the Lord. Praise Come on now, say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The potential for you to get a master's degree is there. Amen. 
how to get a PhD. Come on now, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you ask yourself the question, is this all that God have for me? And the answer is no. That means you have not arrived. You have not arrived. So the man is about to be kicked into the next place. Guess what happened? Something began to happen in the house of Potiphar. Now this thing that's about to happen to Joseph was not from God. But the good thing about what the devil does is that God can use it to bring you favor. Amen. Oh, that amen. Yeah. Is that, that amen. What the devil does can be used by God. What the enemy means for evil, God can turn it for your good. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on now, say amen. amen. So Joseph is in the house of Potiphar. Notice, notice, the wife of Potiphar began to cast her eyes upon Joseph. She was no more satisfied with one man. She was about to put her filthy hands upon this young man. And watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. So she would try to get to Joseph. And Joseph would not let her. Tell somebody I carry destiny. God's destiny. And I would not let anybody stop me. Oh, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, you remember I told you. The fact that God gives you a word, a prophetic word, it's no guarantee. You can actually let, you can actually ruin the destiny that God has for you. So here comes Potiphar's wife. And when they start coming around you. In a certain way. And you simple minded young man don't know. You will fall. And when he starts coming around you. And you simple minded girl don't know. You will fall. But Joseph was determined. Not to fall. And so here comes. Mrs. Potiphar's opportunity. She sees Joseph all alone in the room. And so she goes to Joseph. And she tries to force him. Look at me now. Some of you are looking away from me. <laughs> as if I'm talking to you. I'm talking about Joseph. Okay? The story is about Joseph. Your name is not Joseph. <laughs> no, because with some people, you don't have to force them. Some people think it's an opportunity. Yeah, because think about Joseph. If Joseph had consented, Potiphar's wife would have spoken good of him. And giving him some favors in the house. Correct? She would have said to Potiphar, 
And Potiphar would not even know why she is speaking good of this man now. She would have said, Potiphar, this is a good boy. What else can we do for him in Egypt? Joseph, Joseph was not dumb. He was not stupid. He knew, he knew that Potiphar's wife could put in some good words for him. That could bring about some promotion in his life. They could actually set him free from being a slave. But Potiphar would not have known that some things, yeah. She, he wouldn't have known. He wouldn't have known. But watch this. When Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar, when she came in and said to Joseph, lie with me. Joseph looked at her and said, there is nothing in the house that's not been given to me. In actual fact, your husband is not above me in this house. Everything that he owns, I control. But there is only one thing that he has not given into my custody. And that is you. And listen to the next line that Joseph said. Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness against God? Oh my God. Oh my God. This man had the fear of God. That is the next thing I want to talk about. Joseph, number six, he had the fear of God. He had the fear of God. Listen, he said, your husband has given everything to me. Yes, we understand that, except you. But this is not the reason why I'm not going to do it. The reason why I won't do this with you is because it is wickedness against God. How can I commit this great wickedness? Against God. The fear of God will keep you in the plan of God. Amen. Oh, oh, oh. The fear of God will keep you in the plan of God. What is the fear of God? The fear of God is the awareness of God all the time. If you are aware of God's presence all the time, whenever sin shows up at your door, this is the question you're going to ask. What would I have done if Jesus was physically here? That's the fear of God. That's the fear of God. <laughs> I told the story the other day of a man of God who visited another man of God, an older man of God in prison. This young preacher, this is in America by the way, this young preacher visited this older preacher in America in prison. And the young preacher said to the old, older preacher who was locked up in prison for what he had done. And the young preacher asked him, when did you lose the love of God? The old preacher in prison said to the young preacher, I never lost the love of God. The young preacher was shocked. How can you say you did not lose the love of God? With all the stuff you did, the old preacher said to the young preacher, I never lost the love of God. I lost the fear of God. I did not lose the love of God. I lost the fear of God. And the old preacher said to the young preacher, there are many in the churches in America that love God, but they don't fear God. The love of God is one thing. The fear of God is another. If I ask everyone here, how many of you love God? I'll tell you, hands and Feet will be going up all over this place. Because everyone will claim they love God. But it is not enough to love God. The question is, do you fear God? 
Because, listen, the Bible gives us the definition of the fear of God. The Bible said to fear God means to depart from evil. Period. <laughs> the fear of God is to what? The fear of God is to depart from evil and the evil way. That is what the Bible tells us the fear of God is. Yes, it also says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But you see, you've got no wisdom if you don't depart from evil. Because if you keep walking into evil, it means you're dumb. The fear of God is to depart from evil and the evil way. I'm telling you, my friends, if you say you fear God, you will act like Joseph. Joseph said, how can I commit this great wickedness against God? He knew that this was not just about Potiphar's wife. He knew, listen, 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 listen. He knew that this was not just about Joseph. This was about the one that he could not see with his naked eyes. The fear of God is the consciousness of the presence of God. When I am always aware that God is with me. Though my eyes may not see him, but I'm aware of his presence. Before I take that step, before I sign that contract, before I go out with that person, before I go into that place, I will ask myself the question, what if Jesus was with me physically? Will I do it? That's the fear of God. You know, a lot of people think grace, grace, they say grace has been misused too. Because, you know, the thing, grace is the cover. I sin, I ask God for grace. Sin, ask God for grace. Sin, ask God for grace. No, but grace is not the cover for sin. Grace is the empowerment not to sin. Amen. Amen. It's not a cover. It's not an excuse. It's the empowerment. So grace and the fear of God work together. See, when Joseph had this opportunity of a lifetime, <laughs> yeah, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. His life could change. But you see, when you are presented with the opportunity to compromise, to compromise in the short term, on the short run, it will help you. But in the long run, it will work against you. Hmm. Let's do it. Everyone is doing it. Come on, everyone do it. Everyone does everyone it. Everyone, does it. Everyone, everyone takes and receives bribe. Everyone do it. Everyone, that's what everyone does. Doesn't matter. No, it matters. It does matter. It matters a lot. Everyone say the fear of God. Fear of God. Come on now, say amen. amen. Number seven, life of Joseph, the road or the pathway to the top. Number seven, he had compassion for others. Everyone say compassion. Now, you can in your own time go read the life of Joseph. These things I'm sharing with you, you will find all of them in the life of Joseph. The man was genuinely concerned for the two prisoners 
that were in prison. He woke up in the morning, listen, listen to this. Joseph was a prisoner. He was concerned for other prisoners, not about himself. He woke up in the morning and he looked at these men and he said to them, you don't look good this morning. There's something wrong. They said, no. He said, no, 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 you, you don't look good. There's something wrong. Tell me, what's the problem? Joseph was not self-centered. Joseph was genuinely concerned for people. What is the problem? And the young man said, okay, okay, we'll tell you. So they told him, each had a dream. And Joseph interpreted the dreams. In three days, you'll be restored back to your job. And when the first, the second guy heard that the first dream was good, the interpretation was good, he said, okay, here, here this, this is my own dream. And Joseph said, in three days, your head will be taken from you. <laughs> but he was genuinely concerned for the two prisoners instead of being concerned about himself. The man was not self-centered. Some people are so self-centered. It's all about them. Genuinely concerned. Don't even get me started on dealing with people on how to deal with their domestic stuff. On how they, how they deal with their, their workers at the place of, of work. Talk to people with such disrespect. Treat people like trash because you pay them a salary. Don't you forget that God's watching. And I may not be preaching to those that are here. I may be preaching to those that are watching on the internet too. Not just those that are here. You have those working for you. You have your domestic staff at home. You treat them like trash. You have a driver. You talk to your driver as if he's your slave. You don't even ask them how they do. You don't even ask about their family. Joseph was, more con Joseph was concerned for these men. Are you listening to me? That was a compassion. Compassion. Compassion is a very important key. You want to get to the top, you've got to be compassionate. You must have compassion for people. Come on, say Amen. Some, 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 some bosses are, are ruthless. Ruthless. Don't operate like, like sinners. They throw papers at you in the office. If you don't like it, get out of here. Don't treat people like that. And here in the ministry... Our, our people know this. I told them, I sit with them and I talk to them in our staff meetings and I say to them, people are more important than the project. The people in the church, and I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear these people. They are not these people, they are God's people. Amen. If I hear anyone on staff say, these people, I'll, I'll minister to you. <laughs> no, they are not these people, they are God's people. 
The way you talk about the people of God is important. The way you treat God's people is important. Come on now, say amen. amen. I tell the staff, people are more important than the project. Well, Pastor, I'm busy with this project. The project is geared to reach people. Come on now, say amen. amen. People are more important. People are your greatest asset. Not money. Come on, say amen. amen. People, everyone say people. So Joseph genuinely cared for people. If God has given you people, treat them well. Treat them well. Come on, say amen. amen. Treat your workers well. Treat them well. Don't treat them like trash because you pay them. God might just have them pay you next week. Some of you will get that next month. Because the people you mistreat, you may need them tomorrow. So don't think to yourself that now I'm the boss. Yeah, you are the boss. But there is a boss above you. So if you don't treat those that the boss has given to you, the boss might put you under them. So you learn. No, I, I detest it when people speak, when leadership speak to people with disrespect. I, I, I detest it. I don't welcome it at all. I don't like it. You, tr you talk to people. I don't care who you think they are. You might think you are better. You might think you are more educated. You might think you have more money. But you cannot treat people like that. And I'll say this to you. In leadership, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I, you must care, genuinely care for the people. And let me also say this. You don't care for them to take advantage of them. Or oh, if I care for them, they will do this. No, you care for them genuinely, not because there is something you, you're seeking for. Come on now, say amen. amen. You see, that's why even with leadership in the church... The Bible makes it very clear. If a man cannot lead his family, don't put him in leadership. Because it starts from home. When you can't even respect your own wife. I'm talking to, I'm talking to husbands now. When you don't even respect your own wife, how would you respect people? And for some of you wives, you, you, you kneel before pastor... But you, you shout at your husband. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. <laughs> Pastor say do this. Yes sir, yes sir, oh yes sir. But then you can't even say yes sir to your, honor, to your own husband. <laughs> Don't you realize that even your, your own husband is your pastor. He's your, he's your pastor at home. <laughs> Come on now, say amen. Amen. <laughs> Some of you will raise your voice. You will shout at him and intimidate him. Oh, yeah. Some husbands are afraid of their wives. Am I preaching the truth here? It's a fact. This is a fact. 
You, 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 may not, you may not believe this, but it's a fact. Because whenever they come home, it is Third World War. Third World War breaking out at home because the wife is... And so the husband does not want to even come home anymore. Treat your husband with honor. Come on, say amen. amen. And husbands, love your wives. Like, I mean, genuinely love them. Amen. Don't force, don't force, I'm the boss. Submit to me. Don't you see me? That's, that's the macho man. A lot, of, a lot of men have that. Macho man. This chauvinistic mentality. I'm the boss. No, 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 no. The boss is up there. Come on now, say praise the Lord. Praise Number eight. Is this helping anybody? Joseph had a supernatural gift. Why did we close the multipurpose room? Are they not there anymore? Do we have people there? Nobody's there. I thought I saw some people there. Turn the light on. What's wrong with you? Treat your pastor with respect. <laughs> it, <laughs> Joseph had a supernatural gift. What's a supernatural gift? His supernatural gift was the ability to interpret dreams. Now, his was supernatural, but yours may just be that you, you have a heart for people and you help them to interpret their dreams. In the prison, he interpreted the dreams of those men, correct? Now, Eventually, Pharaoh had a dream. In actual fact, Pharaoh also had two dreams. And Joseph came into the palace of Pharaoh and helped him interpret his dream. Now, you may not have the supernatural ability to interpret dreams, but you may have the natural ability to help people. Are you listening to me? Now, what does it mean to interpret someone's dream? To help people accomplish their dreams. Each of us must be involved in the lives of other people. And when we help them interpret their dreams, they will rise up to the place that God wants them to rise up to. Amen. Guess what? He said to the butler, uh, he said to the butler, he said, Pharaoh will restore you back to your office. And that's exactly what happened in three days. Can someone say amen? Amen. So he had a supernatural gift. I believe everyone should understand this. We can help the next guy. We can help the next guy. See, so the person sitting beside you may have been 
placed there by God so that you can hold up their hands and help them rise. And when you do this, you do it with no strings attached. Come on now, shout hallelujah. Do you know that you can help somebody? Today, one of the big prayers that Christians pray is, Lord, give me my destiny helper. Now, that's good. I don't have a problem with that. But do you know that you are also someone else's destiny helper? Who is someone else's destiny helper? Yeah, you can also help somebody accomplish their destiny. Someone may have a dream. They don't have the money to fund it. You can help that. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Someone may have a dream to go to school. They may not have the funds. You can help with that. Come on now. I'm preaching good. Say amen. Amen. You can be someone else's destiny helper. Not only bring God to my own destiny, my, my destiny helper, my destiny helper. No, what about you becoming someone else's destiny helper? Sometimes it is not money. Sometimes it is advice. There's a way you speak into someone's life and they just want to be with you because they draw from the wealth of information you've got. Help someone else. Listen to me, my brothers and sisters. Help someone else rise to the top. Don't make life all about you. Help someone else. If you will determine to help others, listen, God will give you the grace to help them. Help somebody else. Look out for who to help. Look out for who to support. Look out for whose hand you can raise. Number nine. I want to say number nine. Amen. Joseph had the ability to forgive. You remember his brothers had sold him? Correct? They said, look at this dreamer. Let us see what will become of his dreams. And they took him and put him in a pit. And when they saw the Ishmaelite traders coming, uh, going to Egypt, they sold their brother. Their own brother. Their own brother. Many years later, the brothers came to Egypt, and if you read the story, Joseph now unveils himself and his identity to them, and his brothers felt so sad. What did Joseph say to them? What did he say to them? You meant it for evil, but God turned it for good. In actual fact, when their father died in Egypt, before he died, he had said to them, don't bury me here. Take me back to the place where Abraham bought for a burial place. Right? And after the death of their father, the brothers came to Joseph and said, please, please forgive us what we did. He said, no, no. I have forgiven you. And what did he do? The Bible says he comforted them. I was listening to the late Kenneth Hagin, and this is what he said. He said, uh, in my 40 plus, I believe 40 plus years of ministering healing, I have seen unforgiveness stop people from getting healed. 
40, listen, he ministered healing for 40 plus years. Unforgiveness is one of the things that stood out. A lot of people say, I forgive, but really, they do not forgive. How does the Bible tell us to forgive? The Bible says to forgive as we were forgiven. To forgive how? As we were forgiven. How were you forgiven? Does God remember your sin? Does God recall your iniquity? Have you realized that when you go to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. God does not say, but you did the same thing last month. Does he say that? No. Well, that, that that's, that's the way some people deal with their friends. Oh, but you did that last week. This again. I heard the story of a woman. She had a diary. She would write down everything you do against her. <laughs> she wrote down. <laughs> she she had a literal diary. She write it down. Yeah. Some of you don't have a literal diary, but you have a diary in your head. <laughs> Joseph had the ability to forgive. Everyone say forgive. forgive. Now, forgiveness is a very interesting subject. Because when it comes to forgiving people, that's when you come up, people come up with all kinds of reasons why they should not forgive. Even some who forgive say we forgive, but we don't forget. Hmm? Mm hmm Now. <laughs> okay. Some say, uh, we for I forgive, but I'm going to stay far away from you. <laughs> now, let me clarify that. This whole thing about forgiving and staying far away from people. Can I tell you, there are people in your life you cannot stay far away from. Huh? Tell someone, forgive. Drop it completely. Let it go. Erase it from your mental diary. Some people have mental mental diary. They have it written there, and to remind you the day, the time, and the circumstances surrounding. They will tell you when it happened. Huh? Was that you? Number 10, refuse to hold a grudge. I, I read the story, think, I thought about this. When, jo when Joseph told the butler the, the meaning of his dream, he said, hey, remember me. I want to say, remember me. Remember. See, when you get out of this place, remember me. And what did the butler do? He forgot Joseph. Oh, my God. He forgot Joseph. Now, Joseph could hold a grudge. This is one aspect. Listen, if you will be in the ministry. I want to say ministry. Like me. If you will be in the ministry where you're ministering to people, listening to what I'm about to say to you. Some people you help may never help you. Some people you help may never help you. 
You've got to understand whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. Because from God, you shall receive your reward. If you're helping in the ministry, listen, you're helping people, you're hoping they're going to help you in the future. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Don't think like that. Because they may not. Joseph said, remember me. The man left and was restored back to his office and forgot Joseph. How do you think Joseph must have felt? This man has now been placed in this very good position in the palace of Pharaoh. He now stands before Pharaoh. Why can he not tell Pharaoh about me? I helped him. I did not even care about myself. I looked on his face and I saw his condition. And I helped him. I helped to interpret his dream. Why did he forget me? Many are offended because they thought the person they helped will help them. And the person they helped have come to the place where they can actually help them, but they don't help them. I believe sometimes God allows it to happen to test you. To test you, to see the condition of your heart. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't put your eyes on men. Men cannot help you. Only God can help you. And I want to say this to you. If God does not put it on their heart to help you, they cannot help you. You can scheme and connive and do all you can. If God does not want them to help you, they won't help you. Come on now, say amen. Amen. I took them out last week. They owe me. They don't owe you nothing. They came to my house last week. I'm expecting them to invite me to their own house next month. No, they're not going to invite you. And now you are taking an offense because you thought they were supposed to invite you. It shows that you did that with a string attached. You did it to get something. No, don't do that. Because you're setting yourself up for a fall. Whatever you do to man, do it as if you're doing it to God. And if that man does not come back next week, next month, next year, to say thank you for what you did. I appreciate you. It's okay because your reward will come from God because you did it unto the Lord. Refuse to hold a grudge. Refuse to hold a grudge. I've told you the story. I was caught up. This was a Saturday. I was here having... Music rehearsal with the worship team. When somebody walked into this place and said to me, Pastor, there is a brother, there is a guy, didn't call him a brother, he was not even a member of this church. There is a guy that is in coma in the hospital right here, Shishilet Fall. Pastor, can you come pray for him? I said, yes, I'll come. And so after a rehearsal, I felt in my spirit to take a bottle of anointing oil. And I took a bottle of anointing oil, I went to Shishilet Fall, and I got to the hospital, I see you. And I got there and I anointed anointed him with oil. In Jesus' name, come out of coma. I walked away. About six hours, if I'm not mistaken, he came out of coma. And the girlfriend who was standing beside him when I came there, who I didn't even know, the girlfriend said to him, it was Pastor Godwell that came to pray for you. So when he had come out of the hospital, 
he made an arrangement with another church where he <laughs> he called the pastor of a church and he said to the pastor that he wants to thank the Lord for bringing him, bringing him out of coma. And he asked the pastor what they needed. He bought them, I think, drum sets and musical instruments and he sent it to the church as a thanksgiving offering. And, and look at, to, to make, listen, listen, to, 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 to rub it in, to rub it in. He saw me on the street and he told me, Pastor, you know, I did Thanksgiving in this church. He was telling me, I, this is me. It, <laughs> I came to pray. It was me. I did not know you. You, you were not a member of this church. I didn't tell him that. I'm just telling you. you know, he was not a member of this church. Someone had come to talk to me about him. I went there. I prayed. He came out of coma. He was told it was Pastor Godwell. He never came to say, Pastor Godwell, I want to thank you here. Take this as an appreciation. We don't ask people for anything to pray. Are you listening to me? But I learned my lesson. The man received this miracle here, but went to another church to thank the Lord. Okay. The good thing is God has been thanked. Amen. I've got to keep my heart clean. Can't take, you can't hold a grudge. If he calls me again tomorrow, can you pray? Of course, because you don't buy prayer. You don't sell prayer. Come on now, say praise God. How many of you know Bishop Sappho? Yeah, Bishop Sappho, very good friend of ours. Told me the story the last time he came here. You want to hear the story? Yes. <laughs> it said a woman came to him and said, I have a house that I need to sell in London. And the house is worth a million dollars. A million pounds, I'm sorry. A million pounds sterling. If I sell this house, I'll give the tithe to you. Now, a million pounds is a hundred thousand pounds tithe. Bishop, can you pray so that the house will sell? Bishop said yes. <laughs> so Bishop Zavo prayed. Bishop Zavo prayed. And the house sold. Praise God, right? Okay. <laughs> Wait until I finish the story. Then, <laughs> when the house was sold, the woman came back to Bishop Zavo with an envelope. He put the envelope in the hands of my friend. Bishop Sappho said, Pastor God, the, the envelope was so, so thin. So he said, I thought it was a check. So the lady said, you know, the lady said, I'll bring my tithe. And then I'll give an offering, extra offering to thank the Lord, like a Thanksgiving offering. So when Bishop Sappho opened the envelope... He saw 100 pounds. 100 pounds was the tithe and the special thanksgiving offering. 100 pounds. What do you do? I said, Bishop, what did you do? I said, me, I wouldn't take that. I, I told him, I said, me? I said, me? I would not even receive it. I wouldn't even receive it. Bishop, what did you do? He said, he gave it to somebody. But that, will, that hurts. 
that, <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But in ministry, you learn this stuff. You learn this stuff. When you are dealing with people, don't ever think, if I do this for them, they will do this for me. Don't think that way. You are going to get into trouble if you think that way. Because you're gonna, I mean, you will become offended. You're going to hold a grudge. Don't do that. Help people. Tell somebody, help people. Just help them. Just help them. Help them and say, bless you. I've done it unto the Lord. To God be the glory. And the Lord will reward you. Praise God. Joseph didn't hold a grudge. Think about Potiphar's wife. Just think about that. Now Joseph is the prime minister. Pharaoh said, no man will lift his hand in Egypt except by your word. I'm greater than you in just one place. And that's the throne. Apart from that, you are as Pharaoh in Egypt. Correct? And Pharaoh gave Joseph his second chariot to ride on. And people say, bow the head, bow the head, bow the head. Now Joseph is at the place. I want to say at the place. Watch this. Joseph could say, okay, now I am authority in Egypt. Mr. Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar, I'd like to see you in my office. <laughs> Don't you know that that was Joseph's opportunity to clarify what happened? That was an opportunity to clean up his name. Do you know that that issue, that allegation must have spread all over? That was Joseph's opportunity to clear his name. Joseph didn't do it. Don't fight for yourself. Let God fight. I will respond to them. I will give them the last piece of my mind. That might be your last piece. People will criticize you. People will speak negatively. People will speak behind your back. Don't respond. God will respond to them. Number 11. Joseph had the ability to see the hand of God no matter what the situation might be. He had the ability to see what? The hand of God. He said to his brothers that God sent me here to preserve lives. Oh, no, 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 Joseph, no. How can you say God sent you? Your brother sold you. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You didn't sell me. You didn't send me. God sent me. <laughs> what an ability to see God in everything you go through. Listen, my friend, no matter what you go through, it may, listen, listen, listen. It may be as a result of your mistakes, but see God in it. God can always use that mistake to raise you to the top. It may be something that others have done to you. See God's hand in it. Because when you see God's hand in it, that is when you release the supernatural power of God to work in your favor. The ability to see the hand of God no matter what situation he found himself. The last but not the least, number 12, he finally met the man. Everyone said the man. Amen. He met the man that God has destined for his uplifting. You're going to meet the man. Amen. Oh, that amen needs prayer. Amen. You are going to meet the man. Amen. 
I read, listen, I thought to myself, why was it nobody could interpret Pharaoh's dreams? There is a dream nobody can interpret but you. God will make sure nobody interprets it. You are the only one to interpret it. And God will bring you to that place where the man, the man, what's it, the man? The, the man, the man who needs the interpretation would need you. Because you are destined to interpret his dream. Amen. And when that interpretation came forth, Pharaoh said, there is none as wise as you. So, now you are next in, in command. You're going to find your man. Amen. You're going to find the dream that God wants you to interpret. And God will bring you into that right relationship. It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. God will bring you into that right relationship where the dream of somebody will be interpreted. And when that dream is interpreted, you're going to be raised to the top. Amen. Just lift up your two hands to heaven right now. Let's begin to thank the Lord for everything that he has said and everything he has done. Thank you, Lord.